Hi everyone, my name is Wim van Kouwenbergen. I'm director at BIMAS, the Belgian Maintenance Society, and I uh, welcome you at this uh, Asset Performance Podcast. We are going to talk about uh, industrial maintenance in transition today, and I have uh, an interesting panel with me. Uh, first of all, Mr. Kurosh Barami, welcome. Hello, Wim. Yes, you're working at uh, Henkel Adhesive Technologies. What kind of company is that? Well, Henkel uh, overall is a 20 billion company with 50,000 employees. Half of it is Henkel Adhesive Technologies. We are the leader in the space of adhesives, coatings, and sealants. But very specifically for the community of this uh, podcast, I think we are one of the leaders in the Maro space, helping to reduce unplanned downtime, increase safety, and all the things that are important to MRO workers. Yes, so, and, and what is exactly your role at the organization? Within uh, Henkel, I'm leading uh, the business that is specifically taking care of the MRO space. Uh, we're talking about uh, worth a billion, uh, north of a billion business and two and a half thousand people with a thousand customer-facing colleagues that help the MRO workers in the different plants of the world. Yes, and we are going to address uh, digitization in that world also. And, and, and you're joined with the colleague, um, Michael Honey. Hello, Michael. Hello. Uh, welcome also at the podcast. So uh, maybe you can also explain a little bit your role at Henkel Adhesive Technologies. Yeah, thank you for having me and happy to briefly introduce myself. I am within the organization that Kuros just mentioned, responsible for uh, yeah, Loctite Pulse, which is actually exactly in that uh, field of maintenance, repair and overhaul, so MRO, um, but uh, different to our previous offering, which was mainly about uh, chemical solutions, so a lot of uh, bonding solutions, a lot of coding, functional coding solutions in particular, but also sealing solutions. Now it is about digital solutions in that field. So we are extending our current offering by digital solutions, and we'll talk about that more in today's podcast for sure. Yeah, well, of sure. And and we are joined also by Mr. Peter Geibels of Andres and Hauser. So maybe also for the ones the people that are listening and not don't know very well Andres and Hauser, maybe Peter, you can explain a little bit what are the activities. Yes, Wim, no problem. Hello, everybody. Nice to be in this uh, nice group of, of uh, very interesting people. So, Anders and Hauser, I think most of the people that know the name know that our bread and butter is, is uh, instrumentation. So, meaning flow measurements, temperature measurements, analysis, pressure, and, and stuff. So, we have a lot of instrument devices. However, we do also have a very comprehensive set of services and solutions. And with these services and solutions, like Courage uh, already mentioned, we are helping asset owners uh, to reach their asset management goals. So we are certainly uh, also here to, to help uh, asset owners how to improve their maintenance processes and how to do asset management better. And of course, instruments are uh, an excellent source of data that we want to provide. And in digitalization, uh, data is, of course, key. Yeah, okay. And what are your responsibilities within uh, Anders and Hauser? Yes, uh, recently I joined the organization in Belgium, where I'm uh, actually the optimization and consultancy manager. And in the same time, I'm head of solutions and services in Belgium. And uh, I still have a link towards uh, the corporate world of Anderson Hauser, where I'm supporting in many work groups and teams uh, the development of our services and solutions. Okay, so you're really uh, at the forefront of this uh, applying this digitization. Uh, interesting to have you all here at this uh, conversation. Huh? Um, digitization is really transforming uh, our industries nowadays. So how do you see digitization impacting the landscape of uh, industrial maintenance, Kuroj? Well, when, um, first of all, we see digitalization drastically changing the environment when it comes to our 500,000 customers. But also if we take our own plants. We have 140 around the globe. We see massive change. It is massive change, first of all, in the core themes of maintenance and asset management in terms of increasing uptime, increasing lifetime of the equipment, 
taking, you know, the safety measures, all the things that are really uh, important to maintenance and performance get improved. However, I think the uh, one point I would like to strike out is what we see is actually digital is not replacing the maintenance personnel, the asset managers, is rather augmenting them, is rather multiplying them. And you take our solution, Loctite Pulse. We come from Loctite, the adhesives, right? However, making Loctite Pulse, making it an IoT-enabled, it's a very nice uh, you know, symbol for what digital is capable. It augments the expertise that we have, for instance, in sealing parts, in uh, thread-locking bolts and knots. So I think this is exactly the story that with digital, we are not going to replace us all, right? Not the opposite. We will actually take sustainability, take all these things that are important in our space to the next level. Yeah, that's that, that's for sure, for sure. So um, uh, maybe, Peter, you can give some uh, examples on, on how specific digital technologies are really providing uh effective enhancing industrial maintenance practices huh? yeah sure and and like Kuroj already gave a, a good path to the goal uh, in his explanation uh, what we are seeing in, in in maintenance landscape and in a broader landscape of asset management is a transition going and taking place not replacing the workers not replacing maintenance managers instead of like Kuroj said uh, and I really like the word augmenting them and how do we do that? So a concrete example, what you see is that um, a lot of companies are struggling nowadays in defining a good maintenance strategy. Uh, and, and let's say traditionally we do uh, break and fix maintenance. So if something breaks and we fix it, or we do preventive maintenance where we have time-based uh, maintenance example given every year or something like that. Now, digitalization has a huge impact on that because we are starting uh, with condition-based maintenance, going into predictive maintenance. And here, uh, Anderson Hauser also is a supplier of, of, as I said, with instruments as a source of data. So the data that we have out of our instruments enhance this condition-based maintenance. So we can supply uh, maintenance departments with uh, a whole bunch of diagnostics that will help them to better plan their maintenance activities. So instead of doing the maintenance uh, time-based every year or during shutdown, we can analyze this data and use it really to plan the maintenance much more efficiently. So yes, indeed, it has an enormous impact and uh, yeah, the future looks bright in that sense. Yeah, well, it makes sense uh, of having uh, condition-based maintenance instead of pre just preventive or, or reactive maintenance. What are for you, in fact, uh, the main uh, advantages of having things uh, done condition-based instead of uh, preventive or reactive? And, uh, what I often use also in discussions with, with colleagues, uh, also, but also with asset managers of asset owners, is, is actually not a maintenance KPI, but a production KPI, being overall equipment effectiveness. And if you see overall equipment effectiveness is avail availability times performance times quality. Uh, if you count to that utilization, utilization is actually planned downtime. So to your question, how can condition-based maintenance help here? Uh, we can significantly reduce the planned downtime. So if we know the conditions of the devices, and here we take one step further, we, uh, of course, Anderson Hauser is, a, is, a, is a, uh, as an instrument vendor, as a, as a, a system provider, uh, brings solutions. So we are looking at our own stuff, but we also have data in these devices that say something about the complete plant. Example given, corrosion, built up, and all these things. And I think also with the built up, stuff we go also into the Henkel case where you guys uh, also measure this and and try to uh, predict something so take this example of of built up so we measure built up we can detect built up but we can even predict built up in in plans so it's not only on on the, the measurement performance but the whole performance of of uh, of a plant so if we can 
make sure that we have a transparency on what is happening in the plant and we give this to maintenance operations, they can take adequate decisions on where they need to, to plan an intervention. And instead of doing regular annual checks, or, or even if you can go to a food and bath company who is who is doing cleaning and process, SIP processes, if we can measure this build up and we can say, look, we are at this level, so it's time within X time to do a SIP, it's much better than do a SIP every weekend example given. So it has an immediate impact, not only on plant performance, but also on, on sustainability because we are losing less products, we are losing, le- we have less downtime, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah of course. And, and we're going to talk about sustainability also a little bit later here in the podcast. Eh? But uh, in, in, in the end, it's all about also, um, yeah, eliminating unnecessary stops uh, and uh, as, as such enhancing performance. It's also about eliminating uh, unnecessary downtime because of uh, unforeseen break, break uh, LA failures so that you can really uh, prevent those and, and continue work um, to work and, and, and replace well whatever is necessary during a, a plant shutdown, in fact. Huh? Exactly. So um, going a little bit further on this uh, digital uh, transformation, huh? um, you, you, you see, Michael, uh, you, you see that... Um, uh, this digitization is really transforming maintenance the way maintenance is also performed. So can you uh, elaborate a little bit on how these practices also enhance the efficiency of maintenance operations? Yeah, happy to do so. So uh, actually, as, as Kurosh already mentioned with what we call Lockpad Pulse, uh, we, for example, currently offer uh, two main solutions. So one solution is uh, all about uh, detecting critical leakages at uh, critical assets all over in your plant. So um, a, let me give, take a concrete example. One, one of our customers is uh, Shell with its refineries, where it's actually all about detecting leakages at flanges, at pipes, at tanks. So we have here a solution that helps to identify or to detect these kind of leakages at a very early stage already. And thanks to our actually core products, so the previously analog solutions, we're able to keep uh, that leakage actually um, yeah, within a protected environment, notify the customer so that the customer can react instead of uh, yeah, fixing, repairing a solution with high efforts. And that's that's actually one of our solutions, mainly focusing at, set, at, on, at all critical assets uh, with leakages in particular in the hydrocarbon context. And then the second uh, field is all about... Uh, things in particular steam traps so here we actually see that one of the most often failing assets of many of uh, the industrial customers in the process industry in particular are actually steam traps um, where malfunctions can lead to various um, yeah, outcomes actually uh, more or less the best is that you just lose energy which is of course already a big impact on on uh, on both on your costs, but also on sustainability. Um, but even worse, it can also directly impact uh, the performance or the, the product quality and might uh, uh, lead even to much higher costs uh, afterwards. So this is actually what we can here, similar to, to Peter, not just detect, but even uh, predict. So tell a customer when a um, steam trap in that particular case is starting, showing malfunctions and uh, close maybe to a blow through or to a stuck closed yeah okay and so knowing is uh, enabling to as enabling to to handle and to plan uh, accordingly so uh, increasing efficiency of maintenance operations as such so that's uh, very very interesting um, so um, of course uh, peter you talked about uh, that the sensors of andres and hauser hold a lot of data uh, combined with other data uh, you can uh, yeah, apply them in advanced technologies such as artificial intelligence. So um, can, you re- can you explain how these technologies can be leveraged to perform routine maintenance tasks? Yeah, absolutely. Um, let me give a concrete example. And, and as you mentioned, uh, instrumentation, uh, our core, bread, our core business bread and butter, a common maintenance practice for instruments is calibration. 
and there's many many debates about calibration so uh, if you ask to to asset owners why do you calibrate uh, often we get the answer uh, because we need to uh, it's about regulatory requirements etc etc uh, but there's even more behind it um, so calibration is is uh, is done by coincidence uh, out of convenience so we have shutdowns we have a yearly shutdown or planned shutdowns and then this time we do the calibration uh, so it's really a routine preventive maintenance task at the moment however can you imagine that uh, when we collect the process data as well as the measuring data and then additionally the data from previous calibration activities so we have we have more contextual data and we use artificial intelligence to calculate the next or the best interval for that particular device then we really go from a routine maintenance operation towards let's say a better planned uh, situation so we we plan and we calculate based on on data uh, and then also previous calibrations we calculate efficiency when the next calibration should take place in the same time and this makes it even more interesting i told you before we have some some advanced diagnostics in in our devices uh, we call it heartbeat technology it's a, it's a technology that we have developed in this heartbeat technology we also have an, an heartbeat technology verification so imagine we do the calibrations based on the interval that we uh, calculated Nevertheless, to increase the, con the, the confidence of the asset owner, we can run these verifications while uh, production is running. So we don't need to build out the device to execute the calibration. We don't need a shutdown. So we have, we have two items here working together. A calculated based IA, uh, so not on, on gut feeling, not on experience, but a very scientific way of calculating an interval plus intermediate checks without interrupting the process so uh, we are doing this already at the moment and and the results are quite promising so we in in average we can extend calibration intervals for 67 percent 20 percent of calibrations we keep as it is and 13 percent that's even more interesting we need to shorten the cycle and depending on the industry you are this 13% shortening the cycle means a risk, a risk on reliability, a risk of unplanned shutdowns. And if we can avoid that, this means more than actually the 67% the of optimization. So you see here, we go from really even, sorry for calibration engineers among us, but even a tedious job like calibration done on a regular basis, done every year, every six months to a high end, scientific approach with condition-based items in it really impacting the overall plant performance yeah uh, it's impacting the overall plant performance but also the performance of those reliable of those uh, calibration engineers too exactly exactly and also here uh first of all we have the, the scarcity of of talented people on the market and uh, let's be honest uh, a good calibration engineer with good metrological knowledge his knowledge could his or hers sorry for that knowledge can better be used in quality areas so use the the output use the the, the measurements that you have and instead of just uh, again coming to my question why do you calibrate uh, and then often we also get the answer to have this certificate in my eyes, nothing is further from the truth than that. So if you have a good metrological expert that knows what he's talking about and he can use the measurement performance uh, and it's really yeah, physics and mathematics, you go and you reduce your, your ghost curve so you can make sure that your asset goes better to the, the, the targeted set point and your statistic process control is much, let's say, narrower than we have before. So indeed, it's it's changing the whole the whole way of working, and you can make a tedious job very interesting and also very exciting for the people. 
Yes, yes, yes. Kurosh, that's something that you mentioned also earlier into your, into your intervention. Eh? So uh, it's freeing up time to really address the important issues. Yeah, thanks a lot, uh, Wim. I wanted actually exactly to tie in here. You know, um, I think the, if we um, in the end step back and say, what are we talking about? In the end, we're talking about human beings. Right, I think this is really important that we acknowledge that, and uh, you guys are, Wim, you specifically are doing a great job with Industry 5.0. I think is the term that is used here in this context. In the end, is about augmenting. I use again that word, multiplying the knowledge of the experts we have, uh, you know, as maintenance personnel and asset owners, that this is supported by data that the data is helping the gut feel, the experience of these uh, people to step up to actually create additional value, right? And there is obviously with um, the rise of sustainability in every uh, factory of the world, in every plant of the world, this is a very important element that, um, you know, the the whole digital piece is not a thing on its own. It's a mean to improve what we have as capabilities. And let me add uh, perhaps one thing. That's why we called it also Loctite Pulse. Yeah, We humanized it on purpose, the pulse, so that you can sense, think of un, uh, you have an application, a flange under insulation in a refinery, like Michael was saying, in Shell. Yeah, You want to be uh, sleeping safe that uh, propane is not uh, leaking and you don't notice it, right? So yeah. this is, again, helping with uh, condition monitoring on the one side that these unplanned situations don't happen. But more important, uh, Peter, as you said it, you can enhance, uh, you know, actually the performance. You can uh, improve the situation um, that uh, you prescribe in a better way uh, your operations. And uh, that's why, in the end, it is a lot about also transformation. It is about how we get, you know, us uh, being a rather well-oiled hands, right, uh, to actually use uh, things like, uh, you know, AI, as Peter was saying, right? Yeah. It's, in the end, it's all about making better informed informa- uh, decisions. Yes, yes exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um Peter, um, uh, you talked about the sensors. Uh, nowadays, we also talk about the Internet of Things. Um, so how can the data collected from these IoT devices be utilized to optimize the maintenance processes? Yeah, that's, uh, for me, that's the million-dollar question, Wim. But uh, I first would like to commend also to, to Kurush's uh, explanation about Pulse and, and humanizing it. What a coincidence, you call it pulse and we call it hardbeat technology. So uh, let's take hardbeat technology to measure your pulse, uh, by the way, Karush. <laughs> great minds. Yeah, so great minds Big think alike. Speed, right, uh, like you guys say in Belgium, the grand rencontre. Yeah, I really like it. Now, Wim, uh, your question, uh, the million dollar question, and I hope you don't mind them going back again to, to overall equipment effectiveness, uh, availability times performance times quality. So how, uh, your question indeed, how can this uh, internet of things, rise devices, the data collected, how can this be used uh, to, to optimize maintenance processes? And then again, uh, take again availability, performance, quality. Uh, if you take availability, uh, we want to we want to use data to reduce the unplanned downtime. Now, how how can we do that? Because that's easily said. Yes, of course, we use data and we uh, reduce unplanned downtime. Now, imagine there's a failure. Failure occurs, and it doesn't matter if it's it's on our devices or like Rouge and Michael said on on a propane leakages. That doesn't matter at all. There's a failure that occurs. So if we use the data correctly, can you imagine that uh, the assets or even the leakage system or our detection that we are having automatically triggers a work order in a uh, computerized management system? And this, uh, so the work order is is uh, directed to the failure of the asset, but also we use the data 
to include cause and remedy data. So if it is a leakage, if it's something on our devices, because we have the data in the in in the in these assets on themselves, we should also have cause and remedy uh, items in it. So the device triggers an, an, an a work order in the CMMS, but in the CMMS also the cause and the remedy are included. So the maintenance operator that needs to fix this issue immediately goes immediately to this information, grabs the things he needed instead of going first to the assets, looking what's going on, walking back to the office, pulling out boundaries, trying to find some, some issues. We use the data at hand that we can supply to the guy or girl in front of the device, and they can immediately take the correct actions. And even what we also do, we enhance this with knowledge articles. Probably, in all likelihood, this failure did already occur in another plant with another asset owner. We already have not only cause and remedies, but we also have knowledge articles how other people were able to, to solve the issue. So we provide these knowledge articles towards the maintenance operator. So that's only about availability. If we then look actually to, to performance, again, this will rise uh, the performance by using data. Uh, and, and again, how, how we do that? Because we measure the performance at the moment, and we do not only condition-based maintenance, we measure the performance at the moment, and we see there's a certain uh, performance decrease. So also by using the data well in advance, we can say to, to the operators, to maintenance, people, please be careful, in X time you will have an event. So instead of waiting for a failure to occur, we use the data out of the devices with previous experiences, and we can help them to plan better their maintenance. And I can go on with them. I have, I have many examples like that. And you see here, it's always a combination of catching two birds with a stone. So uh, yeah, for me, it's for me it's a no-brainer. If you use the data that you have in a proper way, with the proper in the proper environment, you absolutely can increase the maintenance processes, their efficiency, certainly. Yeah, well, talking about uh, processes efficiency, yeah. um, uh, Michael, you, 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 we know that, okay, uh, remote monitoring, uh, predictive maintenance, these algorithms are becoming more and more prevalent, so you, we, we see them everywhere uh, coming up. And so um, can you also elaborate a little bit further on how this uh, really can increase uh, efficiency of maintenance operations and, uh, and also help in addressing uh, the issue we all know of, of skill shortages? Yeah, actually, it, I mean, predictive maintenance and uh, same as remote monitoring in the end um, help us to achieve two goals at once, minimum two goals at once. One is, uh, and we talked a lot about that today already, is efficiency and effectiveness, uh, be it by enriching uh, information, be it by simplifying processes, be it by accelerating processes or uh, maybe by getting rid of certain, in particular, very obsolete or very very redundant uh, processes completely. So this is all paying into efficiency. And at the same time, by being more efficient, you need less resources. So it helps you at the same time to a certain extent to also solve the skill shortage. But that's only one dimension of it. Another dimension is uh, that you can, with the help of digitalization and both Peter as well as Kurosh mentioned it several times with the term augmenting. By augmenting personnel, you can actually enable less qualified or just less experienced personnel to conduct the same processes or more processes actually at a higher quality um, or at an earlier stage with less uh, human support. So this is uh, definitely another dimension and uh, where, where actually predictive maintenance or also, of course, remote, um, uh, remote services uh, can, can help a lot. Um, Remote services in particular also um, help centralizing certain resources. So maybe you do not need all the experts anymore in each of your sites or in each part of your site, but you can more centralize that at one point and then connect more or less on demand uh, your workers on site to the ones who have really all that experience. So that's that's maybe the remote part. To be honest, my personal opinion, even better, it's less the remote guy 
who gets connected uh, to your uh, person on the on the ground, but it's maybe even digital uh, digitally enabled, digitally supported, um, so that maybe even an algorithm, a system, just tells you what exactly to do. And uh, I think very important to also stress, and this is maybe a short anecdote uh, I would like to share here with you, is that's also sometimes the soft benefits of digitalization that we might not uh, directly see when talking about it, um, that in the end are also very critical. One reason why we have that skill shortage is not because there's nobody out there anymore, but it's actually a lot of young people not wanting to do that job anymore, not wanting to walk around with a screwdriver and maybe the image of industrial maintenance is just not what they are striving for. And I think here digitalization can really play a key role in making such a job much more attractive. And that's exactly what uh, recently one of our maintenance managers told me, who said, yes, it's all nice to have these smart maintenance solutions. And yes, it also helps me improving my processes. But to be honest, one of the main reasons why he is going that direction is he wants to make the job more attractive for the Gen Z or whatever you call it, the young uh, uh, guys and girls out there who might look for a more digital, more modern, more whatever job where really digitalization can help us a lot. So that's maybe the, the more hidden uh, benefits uh, of digitalization that we sometimes do not really have, uh, first of all, in front of our uh, eyes. Yeah. Uh, can, you, uh, can you elaborate on that a little bit, Peter? Uh, do you agree with this analysis? <laughs> To, to say it in a double negative, I couldn't disagree less, so I'm more than 100% agreeing to it. Uh, absolutely, and we see this in a daily practice. And I like the example also with the young engineers and, and this, the, the vision about the screwdrivers versus the, 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 the new generation. Um, to give an example, I remember my one of my first tasks when I came out of university that I needed to commissioning uh, and be an ID controller. And as a fresh university guy, uh, used to build algorithms and calculations and computers. I went into the maintenance shop and I asked to the old guy, hey, where's my computer? And he almost slapped me in the head, gave me a screwdriver and said, go. Because the PNID controller that I needed to commission was a pneumatic controller. But these are long gone. So also here we see uh, that that uh, making it more attractive for for the young generation to come in uh, and giving them the tools that are used to handle with tablets phones visual glasses things like that is really enhancing uh, these these practices and we we are doing it in the practice already so with this visual support applying remote services what we what we achieve is that we can Take a senior experienced guy, put him in an office environment and let a junior guy or even uh, an asset owner uh, technician on site with less experience being guided with visual support. Uh, the most easygoing that we see is either with, with, uh, with tablets or with, with phones. Uh, also, even in the process industry with, with uh, uh, intrinsically safe, so AX devices. We can make a remote connectivity towards the worker on site. The experienced engineer in the office uh, is guiding him, is helping him. So the, the, the junior on site will learn from this experience and will learn from the, ex the experienced guy. But also uh, here we, we not only, uh, let's say, help the young generation, we also help the experienced generation. Because previously, certainly in our environment, and I know, don't know Michael Kurush, how it is in your environment, but with us, the career path of a service engineer was typically either moving uh, towards sales or marketing or do something else, or maybe become a service manager. But that is not everybody his dream job. That's not everybody his skill set. And they have so much experience, these guys. So what we really do is we, we, we take these guys and, and uh, yeah, uh, we are not getting younger ourselves. Uh, last week, I also climbed some tanks of 40, 40 meter heights with a young engineer and I saw absolutely the difference. Uh, so he did uh, five more than I did. Uh, so the better is that we take these experienced guys, put them in a nice environment where they can support the young, the young guys uh, and even out of the home office. We are literally doing this at the moment that the experienced guys are sitting in the home office, 
connects to the, the young guy on site and uh, yeah, helping that. And then the last really nice side effect of this, can you imagine how many hours of travel time we reduce with this? So even the sustainability and the CO2 emissions goal is also hardly reached with this, this uh, area. So I think here digitalization absolutely is a key. And I think we're just starting it. We are just starting it. The, the, the road in front of us will be, in my eyes, fantastic. Yeah. And, and, and so, well, uh, digitization is offering a new way of working, a new way of performing this maintenance and, and, and service, but is also offering new career opportunities. Yeah, for sure. Like I just said, huh? the, the, instead of the, the experience uh, service engineer becoming a sales guy or a service manager, he can even increase his experience, his knowledge, and he can, can do other stuff. But also, so that's one side of it. The other side of it is also that for having these tools, for having this, this, uh, this digitalization, this visualization, and like Michael said, having also an, an intelligence behind, a calculation behind, an, an, an algorithm behind, you need to have totally different skill sets. So it's not, and that's why I brought in the joke with my pneumatic PNID controller. It's not the guy with the screwdriver anymore that goes into the field and turns some screws and makes things better. Uh, we really have now an outflow. Uh, there are even um, end studies in, in, in mathematics, physics, engineering, uh, data computer science, and, and algorithms. So yes, these guys are often looking at, at um, artificial intelligence on a different perspective of, of uh, process improvements, but we can use these same skill sets to actually apply this on maintenance and asset management and make the experienced guy who's sitting in the, in the home office capture his knowledge in the algorithm that we then can use also to supply with others. So you see, it's, it's a totally uh, new career opportunities, which for the younger generation is going to be a blast. The same thing goes at, at Heinkel. Yeah, exactly. We, you know, I think we have all an obligation here. We need to attract more, you know, people towards uh, what is at our heart, right? Uh, um, uh, maintaining and running assets uh, in a very sustainable way. With what is happening out there with the sustainability trend, uh, towards circular economy, it is of utmost important uh, importance that we activate many, many, many more, uh, you know, um, young generations, but all the also ge older generations, to come and do the maintenance work. It is, you know, there is a massive shortage, and I think it's up to us to translate the opportunities that, for instance, digital is offering into something that is a very tangible benefit for these people. Yeah, it's a, a way to do something purposeful. You know, if you think of the, uh, uh, the contribution maintenance can offer by extending the lifetime of an equipment by 30%, applying, for instance, a few drops of Loctite, this is this is like, then, you know, it's like planting a lot of trees, right? Uh, just to put things into perspective. So that's why uh, we spend a lot of time in training on site. So we train per year as Loctite, like uh, 200,000 maintenance workers on site in their plants. And part of that training is becoming now also training them in IoT, using Loctite pulse so that in a very tangible way, we help them to see, hey, this is like helping you, right? It's it's not replacing you, it's just helping you. And I think that's part of the exercise to get the innovation into a very, let's say, positive experience to them. And then uh, also thanks to your organization, we can spread the good news to the world, right? Yeah, and, 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 and sustainability is a big point of attention nowadays, Michael. So um, uh, in your opinion, how can digitization help uh, to contribute to more sustainable practices? 
Yes, so there are actually many dimensions, and I think a lot of the topics we already addressed, so I'll keep that part uh, really short. But it's, again, uh, I don't want to repeat here too much, but it's, again, efficiency, effectiveness, that, of course, also, if you improve that, also has a positive impact uh, on sustainability. So uh, less waste, less uh, actually resources required. It's also about energy um, waste that you can reduce. So that's uh, what I earlier mentioned. If you identify the the um, not well working assets at an early stage, uh, you can actually save a lot of energy, which at least depending on how the energy has been created in most of the cases uh, comes with uh, CO2 uh, reductions actually or less CO2 emissions. Um, so that's, that's I think, the, the more obvious part of sustainability. Um, Maybe a little less obvious is uh, I talked a lot about leakage monitoring. It's is also the aspect of emissions. So avoiding certain emissions going beyond just CO2, but also be it uh, various kinds of hydrocarbons. You don't want to know how many tons each and every uh, refinery actually emits uh, every year, just on average. So that these are numbers uh, that are really uh, yeah frightening um, and at the same time uh, avoidable with with uh, smart solutions so with having sensors at uh, hidden flanges at tanks at whatever um, so that that's i think the the more or less more obvious uh, part where also um, digitalization can help addressing sustainability is by making all of that transparent um, so what we realized is that um, yes, a lot of maintenance managers and even more manufacturing managers have targets now to achieve certain sustainability goals, be it reducing CO2 emissions like all our uh, colleagues, at least at Henkel plants do, but also be it reducing energy uh, consumption and so on. But what they usually lack is the real information about that. And uh, with the digital solutions, with sensors at the assets, not just with theoretical calculations, you can really make much um, more enriched or data-based in the end uh, decisions and actually create that information. So that's why actually our solution, like to take just the example of the steam trap monitoring I mentioned earlier, provides to the end uh, user a direct information of how much uh, uh, energy did I lose, how much cost did that create, but also what's the CO2 emission linked to that um, so that I have it really at my fingertips, um, uh, the, the critical numbers. And of course, then uh, even better to later uh, uh, yeah, uh, centralize all that those numbers and uh, take a, uh, yeah, a more um, informed decision. Yeah, so digitization really allows to, to make more tangible the the added value of of maintenance operations in preventing uh, leakages and, and and other sources of of energy waste exactly yeah okay perfect so uh peter um do you have also some examples uh, some further examples on 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 how sustainability practices really can be pursued through uh, more digitization Yes, absolutely. And to, to let's say, uh, to, to build on, on Michael's story and even to, to comprehend, um, what we currently are doing is, is, uh, example given the, the EU emission trade schemes. And so, uh, like, like Michael mentioned, asset owners are obliged to report their CO2 emissions. Uh, but also they are required to have a maintenance plan for that. So, uh, the, the, the trading scheme, also dictates you need to maintain your assets properly. And I mentioned before that uh, we have this heartbeat technology where we can uh, actually have diagnostics and information inside the device itself. So um, this heartbeat verification that we can do for certain uh, measurements is also uh, accredited by an external body, by the TUV in Germany. So that means when asset owners want to apply to the EU trading schemes and if they uh, apply the heartbeat verification that we have in, in, in the smart meterings they already have an accredited proof uh, that's even let's say exceeding what the EU trading schemes are saying so here we also use this digitalization practices with direct impact on on the on this ETS Additionally, and, and again, Michael, I think we need to sit together uh, because we, we are sadly uh, 
comprehensive on, on, on this side. Uh, I mentioned earlier before the, the build-up, the build-up detection. So what we also see with asset owners is that by uh, detecting and even predicting the build-up, that you not only reduce energy, uh, because when you have a, a pipe that or an insulation that is clogging, uh, the, the pumps and you have more energy uses because due to the clogging, uh, the pumps need to work harder to get the fluids through to the pipes. Uh, again, also, I mentioned the example of CIP. So by having clogged uh, installations in certain industries, uh, they, they, they do a lot of CIPs, maybe too much. So we, we detect the level of the clogging and depending on the clogging on the buildup that is an installation, we can advise when it's really time to, to launch a CAP and not just do it example given every weekend. So you see here that by, by measuring, and not only by measuring, but also using the, the, the information that you have at hand and apply it to uh, the application that you're working upon, you can really help also to, uh, to have asset owners reaching their, their, their uh, sustainability goals. Yeah, of sure. So, well, we have... Uh done a, a, a nice travel through the world of, of industrial maintenance and, and, and transition. Huh? We have, we've been talking about how this digitization is, is impacting the way we do maintenance, how we can improve efficiency, uh, how it's affecting uh, our workforce, how it's affecting sustainability. So uh, maybe you might have some final remarks, uh, Koraj. Yeah, you know, um, sometimes you need to dream, right? And, uh, you know, imagine a world where every drop of Loctite or chemistry becomes intelligent. So I think we uh, together took um, the first step of the IoT revolution with the rotating equipments. And with Loctite Pulse, what we're trying to do actually is also sensorize the static equipment, Right. And uh, we have made some good progress there. Uh, so our dream is if we can really come up uh, with additional solutions around smart chemistry, then uh, you can even think of substantial added value for society. So that's part of our dream. And perhaps, Michel, you want to tie in here. Yeah, exactly. Just maybe to, to uh, briefly elaborate what we mean by that. So by smart chemistry, the the idea or the dream is actually to completely get rid of sensors or in other words, to more or less sensorize everything. Um, so you find, uh, for example, our functional codings in, in many, many critical applications. Imagine those become sensors themselves. Tell us uh, about certain status be it of the asset be it uh, of itself be it uh, of the, the the process they are linked to so that's that's without now going too far into the detail here as you can imagine uh, there's a lot of confidential aspects in there but this is actually what we are striving for so that's like the vision uh loctite or Henkel with his its uh data enabled solutions is is uh, striving for yeah, I have the feeling that there are a, a lot of to, to follow here. Eh? And and so is is Andres and Hauser also working on, on, on so uh, yeah new new innovations? Uh, how how in which direction are you moving? Yeah, I think uh, the recording of this podcast will, will not have long enough to tell you what we are doing <laughs> at the moment, Wim. But anyway, uh, indeed with like Michael said, there are some quite confidential stuff that we are doing. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, we are really in the transition also as, as, a, as a company. As said in my introduction, our bed and butter is still, still the devices, still the instruments. Nevertheless, we also see that, that uh, the market is, is the market in general, the way asset owners, manufacturing sites are coping with the daily, daily dilemmas that you mentioned, sustainability, scarce resources, all this kind of stuff is also forcing us to completely rethink how our bed and butter being instruments uh, can actually sustain, help, and, and help our customers to, to reach their, their overall goals. So we are really looking beyond having a flow measurement or temperature measurement or, or pressure device. Is, is What is the application? What is this asset owner doing? 
and how is the because to to take it in one sentence and what i often use also with my colleagues uh, our sensors our instruments are touching on a on a continuously based it's not even microseconds it's continuously we are touching the products of the asset owners what they are produced so we have so much data and so much wealth in our devices that we we are not even aware of ourselves what the asset owner can do with that so we have we have many things going on with and and indeed uh that let's say the basic things condition-based maintenance programs, uh, evolving to predictive maintenance programs, evolving also to prescriptive, involving to um, performance, planned performance optimizations. Um, to give you one example that, that we are working on and also to, to put some flesh on the bone, we are working on a thing that we call measurement plausibility. And uh, again, using date, the word data, how often that you see now uh, with, with uh, and I don't want to blame the young generation, don't get me wrong, but we used to have very experienced operators in the plant. They they literally, they didn't need to have a SCADA screen. They, they knew what was going on in the plant. Nowadays, we have the young generation coming in. The, the plant is already at a certain level. And I quote here uh, a guy uh, from, from an asset owner. I will not mention the name. But he said, we in the past built from uh, a normal car, a Formula One car. So the reactor we are having is at this moment so high performance. It's a Formula One car. It's not a regular street car. However, the drivers that we put in front of the wheel, they cannot even ride a bicycle. And that's, that's maybe a very provocative statement. But here, then we have, uh, we, we learned and listened from that. What we are now doing is this measurement plausibility is that we use IA, we use the data, and when a certain value is on the operator screen, we can give a, a coefficient to that value. How plausible is it? Is this really what you see out in the field? Is this really true? So giving the bicycle rider, sorry for the word, giving him the ability by tools to very quickly turn them into a Formula One driver. And this is these are things, this goes beyond the flow measurement, as you can imagine. So uh, yeah, uh, again, like I said before, I'm quite enthusiastic what is going on in the world. Um, I think there are many, many opportunities and for sure uh, the use of technology as a means to a goal. And I think this is really important. In the past, we did a lot of technology developments for the means of the technology development. We wanted to prove that we could do this stuff. I think nowadays the change is really what are the goals? What we really want to achieve? Like Arush is saying, take uh, one step back. What is it we want to do? How are we going to do it? And how can we, as a system provider, support the asset owners in reaching their goals? And I think this is key. Yes, well... Uh, final reaction, Kurosh? No, I think the image that was used is exactly it, right? From a, make the bicycle driver become fast in Formula E uh, car driver. That's exactly That's what we all are up to. Yes, well, with these wise words, thank you very much, gentlemen. Thank you very much, Kurosh. Thank you very much, Peter. Thank you very much, Michael, for this exciting insight in the world of asset performance. See you at the next podcast. Bye.